For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. First, some personal business. Dear listener, my book, Comedy Book, colon, How Comedy Conquered Culture and the Magic That Makes It Work, is out November 7th and officially is available for pre-order. We'll include a link in the show notes. But yeah, this has taken three years of writing and over a a decade of thinking about comedy to produce, so I hope you check it out. I I really think you'll like it if you like this podcast, and I hope you like this podcast because you are listening to it. Okay, on this week's episode, we take you back to Vulture Festival 2022 and the panel celebrating the 20th anniversary of Super Troopers, a movie I believe I watched uh, 40,000 times in my youth. The panel is moderated by my colleague, Bilga Abiri, and featured all five members of the Broken Lizard crew. Beyond discussing the past, present, and future of the titular Super Troopers, the gang offered a preview of their new movie, Quasi, which premieres on Hulu on, you guessed it, April 20th, 420. The trailer, which premiered at the festival, is now available on Vulture.com. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. So here is the Super Troopers 20th Anniversary Reunion. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, thank you, guys, uh, for being here. Um, my name is Bilga Ibiri. I am a film critic for New York Magazine and Vulture. Uh, and I am very excited to be here uh, talking to these guys. Um, and let me just introduce everybody officially uh, in order. Here's Jay Chandrasekhar. Hello. S- Steve Lemmy. Hi. Kevin Heffernan. Eric Stolhansky. And Paul Soder. And this is a, this feels very special to me because um, I was, as I was telling these guys, I, I was in the audience in 1997 in New York for a screening of a movie called Puddle Cruiser, which was their first film. And, um, and after that, uh, I spent about two or three years wondering when the hell Puddle Cruiser was going to come out. <laughs> and that's and exactly then, what we were doing. Yeah. And then when Super Troopers came out, I was like, wait, I know those guys. These are the Puddle Cruiser guys. So, um, so it's exciting to finally meet them in person. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about Super Troopers. And um, I want to talk about how this film became a hit because... You know, it, it, did, it did okay in its initial theatrical release, but it really became a hit on video. Uh, but I'm curious for you guys, when did you first become aware that this film was developing a following? I was um, surfing in San Diego and with a friend of mine, and we went up to the bar, uh, the, this bar, and there's a huge line out front, and the bouncer was like, Hey, Super Trooper, get on in here. And that's when I knew it was kind of going. Yeah. 
That's a good one. Um, we were walking down the street in uh, New York City, yeah. down uh, Amsterdam Avenue, and a, and a bartender, it's a lot of bartenders already in the story, <laughs> a, a bartender ran out of the bar and said, holy shit, you're the super troopers. Get inside here, you're drinking for free. And we went inside and we drank for free. <laughs> I think that was the first, our first brush with fame. Yeah, it was a slow burn, but it, w it worked out all right. I got free drinks. No. So. But it was probably a solid two years after the movie, wouldn't you say? I was parachuting in the Himalayas. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and, and, yeah, uh, and there was a, a Dalai Lama. Yeah. And they said, he said get in here, still hands here. I was like, how do you know my name? And then he drank for free. Uh, you know, it was definitely a slow burn, which was kind of cool. I mean, it was, a, it was the age of DVDs. Remember that? Remember the age of DVDs? And the DVD got passed around in people's dorm rooms and, and whatever it is. And, and so it was a very slow burn where we were like, what? When is this thing going to hit? And then it finally did. It was the equivalent of a viral video in the, in the aughts. Sure, sure. That's what a viral it's video was back then. Yeah. It's the only viral video we've ever made. It was great. <laughs> But, I mean, how many of you people saw it in the movie theater? I mean, not a lot of people. Oh, you did? Okay, good. Wow. All right. But a lot of people, was like my cousin told me or my roommate told me or whatever it was, and then they watched it, you know? It was kind of like Jerky Boys. That was the, do you remember the Jerky Boys tape? <laughs> like, we were in college, and that would get passed around a cassette, and then you'd go in someone's room and watch it. And I feel like Super Troopers was kind of like that on yeah. DVD. Yeah, and it was, um, but, but, but Super Troopers, uh, you know, it had a it had a nice festival run, right? I mean, it was a big success at Sundance, but you had also, I mean, Puddle Cruiser was also a, a, actually a success at a couple of festivals. Um, were there lessons from the making of Puddle Cruisers uh, of Puddle Cruiser and what happened afterwards that you were able to use while making Super Troopers? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the opening of Puddle Cruiser, in our opinion, was. Uh, a little weak, a little soft. Uh, and so we would, um, we, you know, we'd show the movie and the first 10 minutes would be kind of silent and then it would get going. And so we decided um, we had it to, you know, we were sketch comics, so we decided we had to warm up the crowd and get them laughing so that when they got through that first 10 minutes they, and then they got to the 11th minute, they're like, yeah, 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 we've been laughing all along. So we, um, created this elaborate sketch at the opening of Puddle Cruiser where uh, basically we, we have one of us go up there and say, uh, with a packed crowd at Sundance and say, hey, sorry, the, uh, the print ended up breaking. Uh, so Remember prints? Remember prints? Yeah the, yeah, the print broke. But we, the good news is we got a new one coming up from, uh, park, uh, from Salt Lake City. Uh, it's just going to be 20 minutes. And the audience would go, oh. And one of us would be planted in the audience and be like, this is really unprofessional. And then, and then another person would, would, would say, hey, leave the guy alone. And then somebody else would have a, like a ventriloquist dummy who would go, I think you're being rude. And then we had a whole kind of sketch going. And, you know, it got people laughing, uh, unlike when I just told it. But... Um, <laughs> But what happened was with, with Super Troopers, we were hell-bent on making a funny opening for the movie. Uh, and so we, we really worked really hard on it. And then we shot it. And then the day before we were going back to Sundance, Kevin and I were watching it with the color timer at Duart Film Lab. 
and we watch the whole opening scene and the title comes up and I'm like, stop the film. And I look at Kevin, I'm like, we blew it again. It's, it's terrible. And he goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, it sucks. The opening of this movie sucks just like the last one. We got to go back to our place and get the ventriloquist dummy. Uh, because we're about to go th through the same situation. Uh, and we went and got the dummy that we went to the airport and, and we decided not to use it. And, it. and when we showed it for the first time that Friday night, Thursday night? Yeah, Friday night. Uh, yeah. it, was it was just an explosion of laughter. Uh, and I, and I, Which and is I one of the things you know how it's going to play, you know. So, like, we've been working on this thing. It's the stoners in the car in the opening of Super Troopers, and you don't know. You don't know how it's going to go until you show it to an audience. And the first time we did was at that Sundance Festival, and it played really well. So, Well, it has a great – I mean, that, uh, let's talk about that opening scene a little bit because I think it does a great job of establishing the really kind of offbeat tone of the movie – because um, it starts off with three, you know, these three stoners yeah. in a car. It doesn't start off with you guys. It starts off with them, and then it becomes almost like a horror movie with the car <laughs> in the background and <laughs> magically appears and then disappears. And I think that's. I mean, it was the only time uh, in the movie we realized we had to do a pullover from that perspective because that was the only time you were gonna uh, not know who the heroes were, even though the movie was called Super Troopers. And we wanted to really convey like what it was like to get pulled over by these guys not knowing who they were. And it was funny because I remember like we, you know, we did the development process with a couple of different studios. And I remember one studio was like, we don't really like this opening scene. We have a great idea for you. We think you should start out with the Super Troopers as little kids and show them playing in the playground, like li little Mac is crazy and little Farva's an asshole and like, which was just a terrible idea. And kind of, you know, for us was like a, a big welcome to the studio system. Um, but so we, we went ahead and did this, uh, this opening, which was really based on a true story that happened to us from uh, a bachelor party up on the Canadian border so we, uh, we went to this bachelor party and uh, we were going over the Canadian border in an RV and we had a, a bunch of weed and a bunch of mushrooms and uh, the Canadian border patrol stopped us just to say, hey, you know, what are you guys doing? And we were, you know, going to some, uh, a strip club, uh, a dual sex strip club over the Canadian border. <laughs> and uh, the border patrol found a joint on the dashboard and was like, okay, everybody get off the 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 RV until we find out whose marijuana this is. And there was a dude in the back holding the, uh, the mushrooms for the entire bachelor party. He had uh, like 12 doses of mushrooms and he ate them all. He ate 12 doses of mushrooms and we were in a holding cell for about four hours and nobody wanted to admit whose joint it was because we didn't know what was going to happen. Were you going to put, be put in international prison? And finally, this kid is just tripping balls in, in, the, in this holding cell. His eyes are dilated, and his big brother finally just admitted it. He, he was like, uh, it's my joint. It's my joint. And they were like, okay, well, then you're not allowed back in Canada for seven years. Get out of here. <laughs> and we were like, that's the fucking punishment? That's it? <laughs> so we went back over the border, and this kid tripped for like 72 hours <laughs> and didn't remember anything. And all he said was that his cheeks hurt from smiling so much. But that was the inspiration for the opening scene. That's great. <laughs> Let's step back a little bit. Tell me about how Broken Lizard first got together. Because you, you guys all went to college together at Colgate. Yeah. Um, but tell me about kind of how you found each other. 
Uh, well, we all went to Colgate University together in upstate New York, and um, Jay had uh, put together the opportunity to um, put on a show and uh, put together, and he wanted to put together a comedy group. He had done some, had some experience in Chicago and improv and that kind of stuff, and so he kind of started assembling uh, this group of friends to do the sketch comedy show at, at college. What do you mean, friends? You didn't like me at all. I didn't like you. You fucking hated me. I like me. him. I, well, I fought against Steve Lemmy joining our comedy show because I, I thought he was a little bit, you know, shady. <laughs> I, I was He's asked from New York to, City. I was asked to do a, uh, uh, a one act, and they said, well, why don't you do put a comedy group together? And, you know, I was a senior, and I'm like, I don't know. Okay, yeah, maybe I'll do that. And so I called Kevin, and I'm like, hey, you want to start a comedy group? And he goes, no. And I'm like, no, it'll be like, it'll be like Saturday Night Live. He goes, I'm not doing a comedy group. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I told the guy, I'm like, yeah, we're not doing it. And a few months later, he he's calls me from, we were at Summertime, and he goes, hey, man, I really need you to do that comedy group because we've got three other one-act plays. You're the fourth. So I call him up. He's washing dishes in Nantucket. I'm like, dude. You want to do the comedy group? And he goes, I already told you we're not doing it. I'm like, yeah, you're right, we're not doing it. So I called the guy up, I'm like, we're not doing it. Now we're back in the fall, we're back at school, and the payphone rings in our fraternity house, and it's this guy calling from London, because he's gone over there to study theater, and he goes, you, you gotta do the comedy group. There's, there's no negotiation, it's a done deal. And I'm like, fine. So I go up to his, his room and I'm like, we're doing the comedy group, it's a done deal. And he goes, all right, fine. And here we are. <laughs> and, and how did everyone else get involved? We put up auditions. And yeah. uh, there wasn't a big theater scene there. And so none of these guys were even, well, Paul and, and, and Eric were in the theater. So, but these two guys weren't. Well, his, uh, I think your girlfriend talked you into coming trying out. And you were drunk when you came to the, yeah, the I was, audition. Yeah, I was at a tailgate for the football game. You had the auditions on a Saturday afternoon. That really won you over, Kevin. That's that's. Oh yeah, he broke he the ice. He fucking hated me. Kevin hated me, and she was like, "You always say you want to be in a play or something. Well, these guys are holding auditions. Why don't you go and try out?" And so I went, and Jay was like, "Okay, uh, let's do an improv." It was it was me and Ted Griffin, who's a writer. He wrote like uh, Matchstick Men, Ocean's and, uh, Eleven, Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven, Eleven yeah. uh, Tower Heist, and. Um, so the two of us auditioned, and, and he had us audition as, uh, as two number two pencils. Who, and uh, I was the one who had been uh, cheating on the test, and he was the wholesome pencil. And frankly, I, I crushed it. I crushed it. And Jay <laughs> wanted to put me in the comedy group, and Kevin still wouldn't put me in the group. He wouldn't give me the part until Jay said, look, he can play the scumbag. He can play the thief. He can play the asshole. The grease ball. <laughs> the, yeah, the slimy character. Yeah. and you then need, yeah. You need those in sketch comedy. It's always an important True. And then I, I gave in. Yeah. Right. But there was a reason why he didn't like you. You're right. <laughs> he, stole your, <laughs> he stole a candy bar from you or something, right? Uh, well, okay. You, you want to tell a story? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. You can tell the story. Okay. <laughs> I, well, okay. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We, uh, I was a freshman, and these guys were sophomores, and I, I went to rush their fraternity house. And uh, it was wintertime at Colgate, and uh, when, when these guys would have parties at their fraternity house, there was a mountain of, of coats in the foyer. And uh, it was kind of like ritual that people would just select 
any random coat off the pile and take it home no. with them. Not true at all. A ritual for me. It's called thievery. <laughs> this, that old, good old-fashioned, time-honored ritual. But I found this, um, I found this one coat, and uh, it was huge. It, it wrapped around me twice. <laughs> and then the, the best part was I reached into the pocket and found a jumbo Snickers bar. And I was like, we, we have a winner here. And I, I, you know, I walked up the, the hill to my dorm room and uh, I ate the Snickers bar and it was great. And then, you know, now here's the thing, I was in a blackout. So like, uh, the next day I didn't remember where I got the coat or whose it was. And I guess I wore it back to the scene well, of the crime. Well, what happened is uh, I walked into that room a couple days later and I didn't have my fucking winter coat for like two weeks. And I was like, where's my fucking coat? And I walk in, and there it is. It's sitting there. It's back. My coat's back. And I was like, holy shit, there's my coat. I picked it up, and I reached into the pocket, and uh, the thief had left his college ID inside the pocket. And I pulled the thing, and it says, Stephen Carlos Lemmy. And I was like, holy fucking shit. And I went, and I found him, and I was like, hey, you stole my coat. He goes, no, I didn't. I said, I found your ID in it. He goes, holy shit. The guy who stole your coat must have been the same guy who stole my ID. Smart. I thought it was a good answer, but he didn't. He didn't go for it. <laughs> anyway, now he fucking. And loves I hate his fucking. Now he loves have me. Have you ever replaced the Snickers bar? Have you in, in all these years? Have you ever bought him a fucking Snickers bar? I think so. You know what? Today I'm gonna treat you to a jumbo Snickers Thanks, bar. Thanks, man. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let the healing begin. <laughs> um, we actually have some clips uh, that we're going to be showing throughout this, uh, throughout this event. L I'd like to show the first one now. Um, it's one of the best known scenes from the film, and afterwards we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. Hey, uh, sorry. Jimmy Gaffigan. Uh, all right, now. And over your license and registration. Your registration? Uh, Hurry up, meow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's something funny here, boy? No. Well, then why are you laughing, Mr. Larry Johnson? All right, meow, where were we? I'm sorry, are you saying meow? Am I saying meow? I, I, th I thought you... Don't think, boy. Meow, do you know how fast you were going? <laughs> meow, what is so damn funny? I could have swore you said meow. Do I look like a cat to you, boy? <laughs> Am I jumping around all nimbly bimbly from tree to tree? No, no. <laughs> Am I drinking milk from a saucer? <laughs> well, do you see me eating mice? <laughs> and you stop laughing right now. Yes, Meow, I'm gonna have to give you a ticket on this. But... No buts, Meow. That's the law. Not so funny Meow, is it? Meow! I just know so that... Good. There it is right there. Try to get that scene through a development meeting. You can't do it, man. 
People that, read that on the page and are like, what the fuck is this? There's two pages of meow. They're saying meow? What the hell is this shit? This is not going to work. Yeah. Every studio we went to, uh, uh, you know, originally George Clooney was the executive producer of Super Troopers, and he got us into the room with, uh, like, the president of every movie studio, but all of them singled out that scene as to why they weren't going to make the movie. They were, they were like, you've, literally, you've got meow. It might be funny to you guys, but nobody else is going to think this is funny. Pass. What, is George going to act in it? We're like, no, pass. Somebody said if you get Ben Affleck to play Thorny, they would greenlight it. I believe Fox maybe. We should have done that. Yeah. That would have been a good idea. Just yeah, it would have been a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> ben Affleck would be sitting right there, staring out into space as we talk. I'd be sitting in the audience just weeping. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been me. <laughs> But, you know, that, uh, I mean, Jim, at the time, Jim Gaffigan was a relatively unknown guy. And, uh, you know, he was, we were all kind of, he was in New York City. We were all working in New York City. And, uh, and you hated him too, right? Him. Yeah, you're going to notice a theme here. Kevin yeah. hated Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, it's true. And we were like, this guy just killed his audition. And Kevin was like, I don't like this fucking guy. I don't want this well, guy. Yeah, he stole my pants. There's a backstory. He stole my pants. There was a... Uh, it was a time we were in New York and we were auditioning for stuff, right? I would go audition for... Uh, commercials and stuff like that, you know. And in the room would always be this fucking guy, Jim Gaffigan. I was always up against Jim Gaffigan. And I'd do the audition, and uh, I would not get it. And I'd see the commercial come on, and Jim Gaffigan would get the fucking commercial every time. He was the Rolling Rock guy. He was the Saturn guy. He was everything. And I, I was like, who, this guy, he is my nemesis. Yeah. So then he comes in to read for Super Troopers, and I'm like, this is my chance. I'm going to fucking shoot this guy down. And these guys loved him. We did. They loved yeah. Jim Gaffigan. And I was like, guy. no way. He's like no a funnier way. Kevin Heffernan. We love yeah. this guy. But everyone, you know, you get one veto. You, like in the audition process, you get a veto if you got a beef with somebody. And you're like, no, I know you guys love that guy, but fuck that guy. We're not casting him, and this is why. And we're like, okay, okay, fine. We got you. We got you. In this case, we were like, Fuck you, Heffernan. This guy <laughs> killed this audition. We had four Put to one. Put a sock in it, Heffernan. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and Gaffigan got the job. And then the best part was when we were shooting the scene, we're, all, you know, we're there on the highway and we're shooting the scene, and Kevin won't even come over to talk to Gaffigan. <laughs> we're but, talking Hot Pockets. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're laughing oh, our asses sorry. off. And like, you think he's like a clean stand-up comedian, but he was, like, in real life he was dirty. He was telling dirty jokes. <laughs> and we're laughing. And then you'd look over and you'd see... Kevin, like 100 yards away at the craft service table, just eating, <laughs> sadly eating. And he, I don't think you ever came and spoke to Jim Gaffigan, did you? I did. I mean, you know, he, uh, he went on to great things, and we became friends with him, and we put him in the Slammin' Salmon. And then he was super nice enough to fly his private jet in <laughs> and shoot Super Troopers 2 with us, yeah. right? So in the morning. You know. Only in the morning because he had, yeah. a, he had a, uh, like 10 sold-out shows at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. <laughs> but he flew out on his, on his PJ and, uh, uh, yeah. and shot in the morning and then flew back to Boston. Yeah. He's come a long way. I love Jim Gaffigan. I think he's fantastic. But I just want to say, though, <laughs> since we're in L.A., that that whole scene, the whole meow routine, was cooked up in a hotel room, a travel lodge on Pico, when we were out trying to. We were all coming out from New York. We'd fly out, try to get stuff set up, try to get this movie set up, and you know we would always. It was always the five of us in one little hotel room. So you'd have you know you'd have to do two guys spooning in one bed, two guys spooning in one bed, one guy on the fucking floor between the two of them, 
So these were, you know, long nights of uh, partying and, and trying to make each other laugh. And that was, you know, that point in the night where you, the, your jokes don't even make sense anymore. And we were like, what if there was a wizard and he t did something to your tongue so when you went to say now instead it would be meow and fucking <laughs> laughing at that. And, and we, you know, took turns like screaming meow at each other, laughing about how like we try to be considerate and try not to get noise complaints, but imagining that the people next door to us would call downstairs and then the kid at the desk would have to call our room and be like, uh, we're getting complaints of a lot of people screaming meow in the next room. Well, we were shushing each other. Right, we were having a contest to who could shush each other the loudest to see if we could get a noise complaint for shushing too loud. And then it became, can we get a noise complaint for, yeah, yelling meow at each other, so. And then we got the, we got the call for meowing too loud, but we couldn't get a noise complaint for shushing each other too loudly. Which is why there's no shushing scene and, in and, Super and, Troopers. And Super Troopers 3. Although we should. Yeah. We worked on Super Troopers 3 last night. We got to put a shushing uh, scene <laughs> in that movie. Did, yeah. And about, a, about six weeks later, we were writing the movie, and somebody had written on a piece of paper, meow equals now. And they said, you remember this joke? And we're like, oh, yeah, that's a good joke. And then we wrote it into the movie. Do you guys ever, have you ever kind of come up with an idea or a joke that you thought was, that you thought, oh, this is really funny, but it's not us. It's not the kind of thing we could do. Is, did you ever come up with something like that? Yeah, we do that stuff. I mean, you know, we try to avoid certain kinds of jokes. It just doesn't, they don't seem to fit us very well. Like, you know, there's always these kind of periods where you go through these very, like, mean-spirited comedy you know I, I think our philosophy was always like let's make it like your five buddies you're hanging out and you guys want to hang out with us and so it's it's a it's a more pleasurable thing and once you start getting to the really mean-spirited stuff it always seemed to undermine that so we always try to avoid I think that you know the more mean-spirited stuff it was more a bunch of guys hanging out having fun together I think yeah, and I think you can even see that in the meow scene because, you know, Gaffigan's character, like, he realizes what's happening. So it's not like, you know, it's not cringe, humiliation comedy type stuff. He's Although, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Never gonna no, no, I'm, no, you're right. No, it, the but idea was... Something very good and that's about the dangerous it. thing about, you know, making Super Troopers, Super Troopers 2, is you put yourself into this police situation and it's, you know, it's, it's wrought with certain uh, baggage... <laughs> and uh, the trick is to make sure that you're not, you know, portraying the bad guy and that we're all in on the joke together. We're all having a good time. I think yeah. that's the trick to it. You know? There was one time the five of us were driving and we got pulled over and Jay was driving and Jay's like, I'm going to tell this motherfucker off, right? Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay. And then the guy comes up and Jay's like, yes, sir, of course, sir. Whatever you need, sir, yes, please. You know, and we're like, oh, you totally told him off, didn't you? <laughs> And they were like, they got so much power, right? Like, well, what if they had a great sense of humor? And that's kind of where we thought, well, you could have fun. If, like, the guys have a great sense of humor, you know when you're going to that car, you have a sense of power when you're going up to that. Even though people try to get out of it by crying or bribing or German swingers, whatever it is, you know, like someone <laughs> could try to get out of that ticket. <laughs> we were also, yeah. 
I just no. I was going to say, and then I saw I saw Quinn uh, sitting out there like that, and I'm like, no, I don't want to. Uh, we were high, Quinn. We were stoned. Uh, not, not Kevin, though. Not Kevin. That's his daughter back there. <laughs> By the way, he's also not allergic to cats. I just want to tell you that. Sorry, Kev. He hates me again. We'll be right back with the Super Troopers 20th Anniversary Reunion, live from Vulture Festival. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why Milk? Dairy Milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Now back to the Super Troopers 20th Anniversary Reunion, live from Vulture Festival. Um, let's actually, let's, let's do the second clip now. Um, n- another one of, um, possibly my favorite gag from the movie and one that I think about all the time for some reason. Uh, so let's, let's roll it and we'll talk about that. Welcome to Dippus. Can I take your order? Give me a uh, double bacon cheeseburger. Double bacon cheeseburger. It's for a cop. What the hell's that all about? You going to spin it now? No, I was just telling him that's so he makes it good. Don't spit in that cop's burger. Yeah, thanks. Give me a uh, pie, apple. Do you want me to hold the spit? <laughs> just kidding, officer, Barba. So, um, do you want to dip size your meal for a quarter more? Want me to punch size your face for free? Some male figure, I'm his dad. And stop with the whole transfer thing. You know what? I, I gotta go. Let's talk about this later, okay? Okay, bye. Now don't give me any lip. It's just a quarter, and look how much more you get. I said no! It's just 25 cents. Hey, listen, guy. He doesn't want it. I can handle this, Ramathorn. I don't want it! Right. Uh, beverage? Give me a, uh, liter of cola. A what? A liter of cola? Liter of cola? Do we make liter of cola? Hey, you just order a large farba? I don't want a large farba. I want a goddamn liter of cola. I don't know what that is. Liter is French. Forgive me some fucking cola before I break loose fucking lips. All right, all right, relax. God, so young looking, aren't we? God, so young. You're so smooth and creamy, both young of you Young and mustachy in there. And the mustaches were real, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, t- uh, where, where did this gag come from? Because I, 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 I seem to recall there's a story behind it. There was a, uh, a Burger King in Hamilton, New York, where we went to school. And, you know, the, the, the great thing to get when you were hungover was uh, a large iced tea. And, uh, or, or a large Coke, whatever it was, right? And so we would, we'd roll through this drive-thru and we'd get these large Cokes and, you know. And in the middle of the, of the semester, they got a new manager. And the manager was from Canada. And he's like, he just insisted that the large was now called a leader. <laughs> and, you know, we were pretty jingoistic, uh, anti-metric system guys. And I'm like, I'm not ordering a liter. I'm ordering a large Coke. And he goes, we don't have that. And he goes, order a liter. I'm like, I'm not ordering a liter. And it went like that for a while. And we got him back. He jumped over the counter and kicked his ass. But that was our, that's a buddy of our, Char- Charlie Finn played that character. And he's has such a punchable face. You know, he's one of those guys. Just his voice. That I I think it really kind of came to life when he put that uniform on and got back there. And we just spent, we shut down like a Burger King one night and shot all night long in there. And, um, you know, we beat the shit out of him. And it was, it was fantastic because, you know, later on the scene, I like, I jumped the thing, I tackle him and I, you know, and, and uh, yeah, when we did multiple takes of it, uh, you know, I realized today I can't do that type of stuff. But at that point, we were d- I was jumping over the counter and just beating the shit out of him. <laughs> and it was fantastic. It was great. It was a, you know, we didn't know that it would, you know, resonate like that, but we were just having a good time beating on this guy. And it worked out. Funny. It was good. Well, you can't, can't do that anymore, though. Can't do that anymore, man. Well, he gives that. a great performance, too, because it's like you can't quite tell if he's being just kind of dim and sincere or just monstrously sarcastic. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the way that Charlie was in real life. Yeah, so it's that's like, how you, know. you describe him exactly. <laughs> Dim, sincere, and sarcastic. It also made me wonder, do people still announce orders into a microphone? <laughs> but they used to, right? Oh, yeah. They probably just put it in the punch in yeah, the computer. No, it just goes in digitally, but like back then you'd announce it into a microphone. Shh, can't do it anymore, man. <laughs> the time capsule. The, uh, the, the Burger King announcement has been canceled? Yeah. Is that, you heard it here first. I want to talk about Farva a little bit because um, oh, he's okay. such a great comic <laughs> creation. Um, does he have roots in any real people you knew? or? Well, I, I think these guys can talk to that a little bit. I mean, it's, uh, um, you know, in, in those days, one thing we tried very hard to do was when we would write a script, we would not cast it ahead of time. Because when we found you did that, then everyone would start focusing on their character, right? So if you don't know who you're going to play, then you'll write jokes for everybody. And so we were very, uh, you know, faithful to that process, and we were very faithful to that in Super Troopers. So I think Farva was created as a character before any of us. There uh, was a point where I was going to be playing Farva. Yeah, I think, I there think was we all read for it, right? Like we sat down at a table reading, we all read. I think that's right. Yeah. And we then named him after Brett Farva. <laughs> well, we wanted to find the most disgusting-sounding name, and, and Brett Favre at the time was, you know... Big, but also we wanted to rhyme something with larva, because we thought larva was a disgusting-sounding word, and so we married them into farva. But I, I think you guys created the character first, right? Or didn't you? Or um, I, I do remember like reading for it. Like I yeah. remember I was gonna, 
I thought I was maybe going to play it. Yeah. And then we did the table read, and you just knocked it out of the park, and was like, yeah, that's, that's Kevin. Yeah, like, like we, we, we read the script a bunch of times with us all in different characters, and I was supposed to read Farva after you, and I, I oh, declined. You never made it. Well, there was no point, because when he read it, it was clear who Farva uh, Because was I'm be the biggest by. asshole of us? Is, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> is that what you guys are driving at here? You did the best found job. something deep in your yeah. soul. He hasn't let go of it since. Yeah. Yeah. But it was I, wish funny. We'd, I wish we'd taped that. Like, you're having these table reads where we didn't know who was who, and we yeah. were all... These all alternate universe versions of the movie well, would have been cool to look back on. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the, the cool thing about the character is that he's such an asshole, but there's still something lovable to him, and it's the kind of thing that you do walk into all these development meetings, and they're like, you can't make a, a guy that big of an asshole because nobody like him, but luckily, for some reason, people liked Farva, so it, it worked out. You know, we, when you make the movie, you do these test screenings, and they rate who the the characters are they like the best. And, and when we first did Super Troopers, Farva was the most hated character. Like nobody, like the test audiences would say, this, I hate this character. And I was the lowest testing character in that stuff. And then as people learned Farva, you know, things got a little bit better. And then in Super Troopers 2, where did you I rank? was the highest oh, testing wow, character. Kev. Thank oh, you, guys. Wow. Thank you. Um, but was, that's it just, you know, it took a while, I think, right? Being friends with you is fun to write, though, because we knew you were going to eventually have to do those things. Right. Like the powdered sugar scene, we were like giggling writing it because like, Kevin's going to get naked and come in powdered sugar. And he's like, awesome, great. But, but we weren't supposed to see his dick in that scene. <laughs> that was Nobody an was supposed to see his dick. Right. That was an accident. And I think... Jay invited his whole family, right? Yeah, Jay's whole family, like nephews, nieces, like there were like 20... 20 Indians on set that day <laughs> and Kevin or you, you didn't you ask the DP just to dip down and check his dick no no oh. I, I said to Kevin because the, the, the scene is an homage to uh, First Blood and uh, I said to Kevin you know Stallone is naked in First Blood so you got if we're gonna do the homage you got to be naked too he goes yeah from behind he goes just don't show my dick and I'm like don't flatter yourself, all right? I mean, nobody, nobody wants to see that tuna can, right? So now we're shooting the scene, and he's naked from behind, and we're shooting him with a garden hose with very cold water, he always wants me to tell people. Yep. Uh, and he's against the wall, and I say to the cameraman, when he turns, put the camera above the waistline and make sure we don't see his dick. And the cameraman's like, why would anyone want to see his dick? And I'm like, yeah, exactly, exactly, right? So we're shooting the scene. He's, got, he's up against the wall. We're shooting him with the, co the garden hose. And he turns, and the, the cameraman is, he, he tilts up above his, his waist. And then, uh, you know, there was powdered sugar that we added that, that they didn't have in First Blood. We put that in. And a, a puff landed right in Kevin's mouth. And he goes, pa, pa, pa. And I was at the monitor, I'm like, God, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And the cameraman felt the same way, because he went like this, he goes, <laughs> And we didn't even know we had it until we got all the way back to New York, and he and I are watching the dailies. <laughs> and we, I'm like, and we're watching it, I'm like, oh my God, there's your dick. <laughs> and he goes, we're not showing my dick. And I'm like, it turned a huge fight yeah. in the editor room between the two of us because we were editing the movie, and, and 
he was making all his arguments for why I should show my dick in this movie. He's like, think about Harvey Keitel and Bad Lieutenant. How fucking gritty that is. And I was like, we're making a comedy. Nobody wants to see my dick. But I lost the argument. Well, but then you, you guys asked all of us. You're like, do, w- oh, do you want to see I mean, Farva's dick or not? We're like, yes, fuck yes. Of course, yes. Of course they do. The world wants to see Farva's dick. I guess so. I don't know. We, would do, we did a live show, and uh, a girl showed up with the photo of Kevin and his dick on her shirt. <laughs> President Obama saw his dick. Everybody yeah, has seen I his know. dick. It made a website, didn't it? Uh, it was, you were the bear of the month? I did. I was the, I was the bear. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who, who's gay and is, is, uh, loves bears is on this website where you get a picture of a bear of the day. And um, he called me up. He said, hey, man, uh, today you were, my, you were my bear of the day. I said, what the, fu- what the fuck are you talking about? Because I got your picture on our website. It's me. It's you. Turn around. You're naked. Cut brown sugar. You're the bear of the day. And I was like, oh, thanks. Great. You know? But then, but then he told you you weren't actually a bear. He, I was he not started a bear. to criticize yeah, you. Yeah, because bears are hairy, apparently, and I'm not hairy. And so he told me I was an otter. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> it's like a hairless bear. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But so now I'm, a, I'm an icon, right? Yeah. I'm like Barbara Streisand. Famous otter. It's great. Um, Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to our third clip, st- staying on the theme of nudity. Um, <laughs> we have uh, one last clip to show from the film, and I want to talk about this scene and a couple other things as well. Uh, but let's run that. Back go. That's it, huh? Oh, CCS Rockman bulletproofing is the tops. Same guys who make our flak jackets. Now, Rabbit. A good cop does what before using his equipment in the field? Uh, they test it? They test it, exactly. Hey, you shooting today, Thorne? Get on all morning. How about that little fella? Or that little guy? I wouldn't worry about that little guy. Good enough for me. You're my man now. I don't get it. How are we going to get into the local impound? There are going to be cops there. (laughs) Most of the local cops will probably already be at the banquet. They'll leave like one or two of the dumbest guys at the station. How you feeling there, Mac? Good enough to fuck your mother! So all we have to do is distract whoever they leave there. Hey, Mac! You still have that Halloween costume. Oh, hell yeah, you don't throw out. (laughs) Damn, that's good. So if we can get 10 minutes, you and I can get into the impound, get the reefer, and get it to the governor before she leaves. Nice and easy. I like it. All right, you're up. Me? Don't get puke on it. Does it hurt? Uh, You're going to feel a little pinch. Looking good, rabbit. Now don't move. Hang on, buddy. Hey, Cap. Hey, Captain. Bulletproof cup, huh? I invented this gag, Rabbit. Only in my day, the rookie got naked. And we also use blanks. There you go. Brian Cox, huh? 
Yeah, you didn't get naked in that. Um, that was a great one. We shot that uh, on the grounds of uh, the Fish Kill uh, Correctional Facility. It was a prison. Maximum security prison. Maximum security prison. And uh, it would be kind of like this building, like the Roosevelt Hotel was the prison, and all the prisoners were watching us <laughs> shoot this scene. And, um, and Lemmy, they had to protect him from the sun, so between each take, they would put a kimono around him. And so he would walk around. And a parasol. And a, and a parasol. parasol. Right. And he'd walk around with a parasol and a kimono in his jockstrap, and the prisoners were yelling from the windows, I love you! I'm gonna love on you! You know, there's just, they were just raining shit down on you. I'm mama, fuck you! <laughs> yeah, every time I would take off the kimono, a cheer would go up from the prison. Because then, look, in their, in their eyes, there's a cop uh, getting naked and being shot with his, you know. It was fucking horrible, actually. It was a good time. It was a good time. That was the scene that almost wasn't. Yeah. Because uh, Jay, is out, as a director, always wanted everything to, like, make sure that it would make sense. And so when we pitched the idea and we were writing it, Jay's like, well, it never happened. Right? And he's like, ah, we should cut this scene. It doesn't, it, 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 you would never do this. And so we had to find a way to ground it to make it feel real. But I think we looked up online and saw that those bulletproof jock straps really existed. Yeah, yeah. It was a, uh, it was a back and forth for a while. <laughs> he just threw you under you the bus. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. You were right. You were right. But well, we found a way to like, tie it in. That was like the whole costume, the hol- Halloween costume and blanks and all that kind of stuff. But that's the thing. I think we, we as you talk about like jokes that, you did fight over or whatever comedy bits like, like we spend so much more time debating whether something could actually happen on planet earth than we do whether something's funny or not like is that's one of those cases where it's like really are we you know like are we a zucker brothers movie or no are we like a planet earth grounded movie so those tend to be when we get into it is like could this really happen yeah and one of the things about the scene that that i think sort of exemplifies your style of humor is, I mean, if I just saw the scene right from the start, I would, I would assume that I know exactly what's going to happen. Oh, it's, something's going to go terribly wrong. You know, they're, they're firing at him. He's got a bulletproof cup. It's not going to work or whatever, something. And, and yet it, it works. And, you know, he, he has a great time with it. I mean, he's, he's like cheering. He's happy. I mean, there's something about that and obviously there's a great, you know, there's the great punchline at the end when Brian Cox comes in. But, um, but it's actually a, a very, I think, unpredictable style of humor. But also, again, the thing we talked about, it's not mean-spirited. You're not waiting for, you know, it seems like it's setting up something horrible to happen, but that's not really what happens. Um, and I, just, I think it's, it's a real testament to the kind of comedy that you guys do where, you know, we watch these scenes and it feels like something we would like to be a part of, <laughs> right? You know, it feels like something that you might Don't do try that friends. at home. Don't try that at home. Well, the approach with that scene too, like we played the whole movie straight. Everything could happen in real life. And that's the one time I think we did depart from reality. But at that point, it's like an hour and a half into the movie. Like we felt that we had kind of earned the right to do something like that. And that was the only time. It's also, I think, um, you know, during the scene, there's also a, a lot of exposition happening, right? You're, you're, you're setting up story and plot, and you're setting up kind of the, the third act of the movie. And, um, and the comedy actually helps mask that. So it's not just the scene of people talking. 
you, you know, we're watching the we're watching the comedy unfold. But while that's happening, we're also learning important information that we kind of need. And I guess I want to ask, like, how important is story to you when you're constructing one of these scripts? I mean, it's it's critical. I mean, we have a lot of funny ideas, but we kind of make sure that the the plot lands. Um, it's it's very important to us. And and that you're right. That's exactly what we were doing. We were giving you plot points while cracking jokes. We don't like to just give you plot points because, you know, we're not that good actors, right? We're like, you know, we're, we're pretty good. But uh, we need to be telling some jokes while we're giving out the plot. We like to hide the exposition a little bit, yeah. But we did, you know, when we were writing that, we were looking at movies like Fletch and The In-Laws that had, like, good plots. And if you took away the jokes, they're actually like pretty interesting movies in and of themselves. And so we did want to have something. But like Super Trooper started out with a bunch of sketches, a bunch of funny scenes. And then we wound up just putting the Johnny Chimpo weed plot into it, kind of just as a spine for us to hang everything else on. But, you know, ultimately it was important for us that everyone's just laughing. Yeah. Uh, tell me about working with Brian Cox. Oh, Coxie. I mean, we were, we were shocked because, you know, what we tried to do in, in our early movies was to try to give someone, bring someone into the cast that has some gravitas and that makes it, you know, the movie feel like it has a little more weight to it. And we were making a million-dollar movie at that point in time, and, you know, we didn't have anybody. And Cox came through, like, I guess he read the script or somebody read the script, and, uh, you know, we have seen him in all these things, but he's at heart, he, the guy's a comic, and it's hard to say, like when you watch Succession now and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's like, uh, it's like uh, you wouldn't expect that. But he, he's a big Jerry Lewis fan, like he loves comedies. And so he really wanted to do a comedy. And so he decided he would come slum it with us and, and make this comedy. And it was such a treasure for us because here was a guy who was a real, he was a real fucking actor. And he would remind us about that too. <laughs> You know, he did Shakespeare in Moscow. You know, he would tell us that kind of shit. Uh, but he was a guy who grounded us uh, and gave us uh, like the gravitas, I think, that, uh, that it needed, you know. And uh, when we came back and did number two, it was just a pleasure because we just picked right up with him, you know, where we left off. And uh, I was just happy that he remembered my name. And, uh, and then he did, these, he did this stuff with us. And now, you know, we're talking about three and talking about whether we can get him back from succession or not so we'll see <laughs> but at first when, when that email came in with a picture of him and like brian cox is interested in playing captain o'hagan we look at the photograph for like hannibal lecter <laughs> i mean really he hadn't done comedy up until that point and we were at first sort of thinking about getting heavy hitters in the comedy world like bill murray to play captain o'hagan that would be the natural choice but we didn't really have the money for it and then so we're like Brian. We're like this was the original Manhunter, right? Like he was the original Hannibal Lecter, yeah. and that was sort of the reference we had. And we were like, "Are we going to cast Hannibal Lecter <laughs> as our <laughs> captain?" And we did. Yeah. And he turned out to be a very funny guy. And then in, in Super Troopers Two, we discovered that he was a stoner. And uh, <laughs> one day he he's he like, "Oh, I love to smoke marijuana." And he's like, I got high just last night. And we're like, what, uh, what, what are you smoking? And he goes, uh, Dank Sinatra.
He was no, the first one to tell us to get into the edibles business because he was he, he he was starting to get into edibles, but he's diabetic, so he also he loves black licorice, and he kept trying to convince us like if somebody could just make a, a, a sugarless black licorice edible. Like the world was gonna beat a path to our door. Like he didn't understand. Like he's probably the only fucking person on the planet who would want that kind of edible. <laughs> we discovered he was diabetic. We were shooting the rookie scene about to eat the soap, and he says, uh, "Oh fuck it, he's gonna go take a bite of it." He's just about to take a bite, and he goes, "Wait a second, is this white chocolate?" We're like, "Yeah, that's what we cover the bar of soap." But he's, "I'm a diabetic," <laughs> so we almost killed him right off the bat. And then the prop master at the last minute had to go run around and try to find sugar-free white chocolate in a small town upstate New York. <laughs> I don't know how she did it. How'd they carve that out of that second time? It was real. He, it, he bit a real bar of soap. He did. And they just spit yeah. it out. Oh, real bar of soap. Yeah, real bar of oh. soap. Um, speaking of diabetes, um, uh, this is, uh, we don't have a clip from this scene, but I do want to ask about the syrup chugging scene. Um, <laughs> Is it true you chugged real syrup for this? Yeah. Well, we tried to use very thick maple syrup, uh, very iced thick uh, iced tea. Nice and it, you could tell when you're wide looking at it, you're like, it just, it just didn't, it, it was clearly really thin liquid. So we sent a production assistant to the Kmart and he came back with, I think, something like eight bottles of syrup. Uh, and, you know, I drank two and a half full bottles and, uh, I made Eric drink three and a half. I didn't think he had it right yet. Uh, he was fucking with me. And, you know, it was, it was, I've done a lot of things in my life, but that's one thing I would never do again uh, because of the, the reaction of your body is, it's, you're not meant for that much sugar. Uh, and at, at lunch, we were both feeling pretty bad. Uh, and yeah. we went and laid in my trailer in the dark and just sh shook. Uh, and, and then he went back to the hotel and I, I shot like this love scene that doesn't make it into the movie. Um, but I was not, not well. Um, and we, you know, we both tried to throw it up. It was too thick. It wouldn't come up. Uh, and when I got back to the hotel, he came out of, the, he came out of his, uh, his room and he goes, have you pooped yet? And I'm like, no. He goes, well, there's a reason maple syrup is part of the master cleanse. He goes, good luck in there. And I went in there, and stuff came out of me from years ago. Like, I, I shat a, a fossilized robin fetus. Like, there was things that you were like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And uh, when you finish, you're like, never again. Never again. But then that's all anybody wants you guys to do yeah. when we go out. Like, people somehow just are always producing maple syrup out of their fucking pockets. Like, hey, look, 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 look. And you're like, thank God that was not it's me. It's a curse. Were there, because uh, you mentioned there was a love scene that, that, that was cut out. Were, were there other scenes that were cut out of the film, other, other bits that were cut out of the film? That yeah, we had a whole separate uh, ending. Uh, there was a whole different ending that we had. You know, now uh, at the end of the movie, we break up a, like a, a bunch of kids having a keg party, right? Yeah. Uh, we originally shot where we go undercover at a meat packing uh, factory and we catch, you know, we pull our meat, our uniforms off and we catch these guys 
you know, selling meat that had expired or something. We shot the whole thing. That was in the Sundance uh, uh, ending. And then uh, when we sold the movie to Searchlight, uh, they were like, ah, that meat packing ending. Yeah, no, yeah, that doesn't really fly. So we reshot that ending. But that's sitting out there somewhere, that, uh, that other ending. Were there other changes made to the film after Sundance? We took about seven minutes out of it. Searchlight connected us with a guy named George Folsey Jr., who uh, was the editor and producer of uh, Animal House, Blues Brothers, Trading Places, you know, all those movies with John Landis. And so he sat with us, Kevin and I, and we just, he's like, you know, you could, you could probably trim this here and trim this there. And we kind of just together, we got to work on it and, and slim it up. Was uh, Who Wants a Mustache Ride? Was that a reshoot after Sundance? That was a reshoot. Was it a reshoot? Yeah. yeah, that was a reshoot. We shot that, that reshoot. in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. with the German swingers? Yes. I was thinking of the bad. That German swinger scene was, a, was a also a reshoot. Because yeah. the first one, because uh, the, the, there are two scenes with them. The, the second one, when it's like you and your wife, and then we cut away and we see that they're on the bed. That, that's a, that was added after? That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's right. Well, the first one was Jay having a very tender moment that he was getting transferred. Well, too it, tender. It was too tender, and it only felt like the tone of our movie. Well, there was a punchline to the tender moment. So it's like a, me and my wife were in bed, and we're talking about how sad we are that we're going to have to leave the town, and we've just had sex. And then I stand up out of bed, and you see in the reflection of the mirror that I have a... 14-inch cock, all right? And, and so, yes, that was the plan. And, and I was calling around to the prop houses, and I'm like, okay, we need a 14-inch, you know, cock, right? And they're like, fuck you, and they kept hanging up on me. Uh, and we couldn't get one, and so we shot the scene without that punchline, because mine is 16 inches, and we couldn't do that, right? Uh, and so we ended up... Uh, then eventually we looked at it, we're like, well, that doesn't really fit the movie. Uh, and so we en ended up reshooting that scene. Can we see your dick? <laughs> Super Troopers 3, baby. <laughs> well, actually, let's talk about Super Troopers 2 a little bit. Um, you know, you guys, obviously, you, you had a very successful crowdfunding effort for that film. Was it a surprise to you that you had to go that route? Yeah, uh, yeah, but it was also very reaffirming. I mean, you know, it was a, in that time where a lot of people were doing that, and um, you know, we were having some trouble kind of getting the studio to feel that you know the the audience was out there and wanted to see another movie, and that was the perfect method to do that. You know, and and uh, you know, there was a little bit of a of a distance that they had until we raised that money, and then as, as soon as we did it, and the and it was proven that the fan base was out there and wanted to see another one, then it kind of opened the doors and the studio was more comfortable, everyone was more comfortable. So, you know, it, it ended up working out really, really well and, and, and kind of jump-starting the ability to make that movie. Yeah. And I think that actually is the thing that connected us with the fans the most, ultimately, is like, because we'll meet people all the time who come up to us and they're like, oh, I contributed to the campaign. And you're like, thank you. You know, you actually made the movie, which was, it was, you don't actually ever get that level of connection with your fans, uh, but we, we got it. And it, that's, I think, the, the side effect that was the best part. So what's the state of Super Troopers 3 right now? You, you said you, you were, you're writing it now? Or? Yeah, we worked on it last yeah, night. Ten, <coughs> ten drafts done, and uh, we'll do another, 
18 or so, and then we'll be ready to go. Um, which, which, which brings us to our final clip of the day, uh, which is a trailer, um, not for Super Troopers 3, but you'll see. Uh, let's, let's roll that. <laughs> We're showing it, a new movie. Medieval France, a time that ushered in a new era of nobility. Have another guard kill that one. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, who? Kill him. No, I couldn't, my lord. I have known Arno my entire life. Would it be easier if we got a third guard to come in and kill both of these guys? Oh, whoops, here we go. Oh. Oh. Good work. Quasi! 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 Holy shit! Come on, we're gonna be late! You know what your problem is? Is it that I've got a fatty deposit the size of a giant gourd on my back? Hunchback. Morning. I found myself just looking wealthy on my best intentions. Royal torture chamber. Back to the daily grind. You guys psyched for Pope Week? Oh my god, here we go. Another Pope, Pope week. week. I love Pope Week. Who wants to see an exorcism? Welcome to the Papal Lottery. Woo! Winner of the lottery shall have his private confession heard by the Pope himself. Quasi, you won. Hunchback, no. Do you have any idea the questions he'll have for me? Holy Father, can you fix my hump? Is not my very existence proof there is no God? I don't want to get into that whole hornet's nest. Quasi, quasi, quasi. Are you going to ask for a new back? Oh, yeah, like a thick back or a wide back or a skinny back or a tall back, maybe? Or perhaps a new face. Because your face is not the face that people want. No mom would like that face. They'd be like, put it back in my vagina. Okay. Next year. In a tale of love. I very much like your rat. And I yours. Betrayal. And scandal. Quasi, these are actual depictions of the Pope having sex with Saracen women. Oh, mon dieu, is that mud? It's not mud. It's not mud. Everyone plays a part. Ah! Or two. Send a warning shot. Shoot over the heads. Yes, my lord. Michelle! Whoops! I said shoot over the heads. So I'm not even sure that that was my arrow. I saw it come out of your crossbow. You know what? That was Gregor's. Gregor! We got a new movie, you guys. We got a new ah. movie coming out. 420 again. 420. 420. Guess that one. It's called Quasi. The, uh, our, our little telling of the Quasimodo story. <laughs> the and, true uh, telling, right? That's the true story. Kevin true directed story. it. Yeah. yeah. It's a great uh, uh, opportunity for like we got to wear stupid wigs and do bad accents and do a Monty Python kind of thing and it's uh, we play multiple characters and we shot it last year and it's gonna come out 420. It's great, a little period piece from Broken Lizard. But it's you know this was something that we had been wanting to do since we were a sketch comedy group because like that's the shit that we did in our stage show and we were, you know, we wanted to be like Monty Python. So to finally get this opportunity 
to do the kind of thing that we did from the very beginning was like incredibly satisfying for us. Um, is it is it uh, is it going to be theatrical release or? It's a Hulu. It's Hulu, Hulu movie, right? right? Are the people are here? It's a Hulu movie. It's Searchlight Studios yeah. released yeah. on Hulu on four twenty next year. Yeah, I mean we were we were kind of working on Super Troopers three with Searchlight, and then we said we have this other movie that we really like, and uh, we kind of gave them the script, and they really loved it, and we were like, well, we have this little window, we'd love to shoot it, and so we went we went up and. Uh, Santa Clarita and uh, shot medieval France up in Santa Clarita. <laughs> right next to the Dog Whisperer. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and we had a great time. We had a great time putting on these costumes and doing this thing, and, and it came out fantastic. It's really a fun, you know, fun movie, so people cool. like it. Um, <laughs> uh, this, this is good. I think we're running out of time. This will be my last question, and it's... it's what are the weirdest experiences you've had with Super Troopers fandom over the years? <laughs> Except for the guy yelling Farva out. The thing. Yeah, all that happens. I mean, you know, we've had people, you know, walk up to us and had tattoos, you know, of us on them. Uh, that's always weird, you know. What about the, uh, we were all throwing the first pitch out at the San Diego Padres game, and Kevin was late, and he was driving 105 down the five, and he got pulled over, and we'll go ahead, you take it. Well, I got pulled over, and, and the cop was like, uh, you know, where are you going so, f you know, in such a hurry? And I said, well, I'm going to throw the first pitch out at the Padres game. Uh, and he said, well, who are you to throw the first pitch out of the Padres game? Well, I, I said, I, I made a movie called Super Troopers. And he looked at me, and he was like, oh. And he walked away, and then he walked back like five minutes later, and he said, can I give you an escort to the stadium? <laughs> and then I dro they drove me to the stadium, and then all the cops, as you're walking to the stadium, all the cops are standing around. You can hear their walkies, and they're like, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here. I got eyes on Farva. Who's got eyes on Farva? Yeah, we got Farva's right here. It's practical. It had, it, you know, playing a cop has its perks sometimes. <laughs> and then yeah. five guys threw their first pitch. <laughs> All five of us lined up. We threw five balls. <laughs> to one catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One catcher, yeah. To one catcher. Yeah. Any others? It's the yeah. same kind of thing. I got pulled over doing 120. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was on the 5 North going up to San Jose at like midnight, and uh, I had a new car. I was going 120 miles an hour, and the cop was fucking right in my back seat all of a sudden. <laughs> And uh, it, it was funny because, like, uh, you know, I didn't realize the cops come to this side of the car now. And so I was, like, uh, waiting for him to come. And then he, he rapped on the window and, like, I, I jumped. And I could see him make an assessment. He was like, cocaine. That's what. <laughs> and it was a new car. And so I was fumbling around to get the window down. And I, I accidentally rolled down the back right window. And then he looked, he looked at me again, made a new assessment. He was like, crystal meth. But then we, I got the window down, and he looks in, and he goes, Mr., do you have any idea how fa Super Troopers? <laughs> I said, you got me. Anyway, he's like, I'm going to let you off on this one. And it's not because Super Troopers is my favorite movie of all time. I just don't feel like filling out any paperwork tonight. And, and I was like, all right, cool. And then he said, can, you, can I trouble you for a photo and an autograph? And so I said, sure. And I got out of the car, and he brought his ticket book over for me to autograph. 
And his hands were trembling. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. And he said, uh, write something dirty. Just write. <laughs> and I said, write something dirty. He's like, yeah, just write something dirty. And so, you know, I'm a pain in the ass. And I wrote something dirty. And I, and I signed my name. And he was like, okay, that's not funny. <laughs> and he's like, really? Just, he's like, uh, write like the dirtiest thing you can think of. And uh, I wrote, your mother's pussy. And he looked at it, he goes, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was like, you said the dirtiest thing I could think of. I wish there was something dirtier than that. And he's like, okay, that's pretty funny. Here's something funny. You're under arrest. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, I know that's a joke. He's like, I'm not fucking kidding. I'd let you out of a speeding ticket. You make fun of my mother's genitalia. Put your hands up on the fucking car. You're under arrest. And I like now the tears start welling up in my eyes and I put my hands up on the car. I'm like, sir, I'm so, so sorry. He, he's like, I'm like, I'll do anything. Like, please, I can't go to jail. You've got to let me know. He's like, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> and so we took a selfie. And at this point, like some people were driving by and they could see the two of us like <laughs> cop on the side of the road. And then uh, uh, I told him, suck a dick up till you hiccup, and I, I peeled out of there. And they did get me on the way back, though, going 70 miles an hour. Well, on that note, thank you so much, guys. <laughs> Good job. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for coming, you guys. That's it for another episode of Good One. Stream Quasi on Hulu on April 20th. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Gavin Shrikishin did our theme song. Write our review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're here every other Tuesday. Have a good one. Welcome to Good One. Show about talking them jokes, mm, son. Hey, 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 good one. It's a good one.